Hello, everybody out there. This is Tahir Johnson, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. And this morning, I'm here with my good friend, Shawnee Williams, the co-founder of Illinois Equity Staffing. How you doing today, Shawnee? Good. How are you, Tahir? I'm good. Good. It's good to have you. How's everything out there in Chicago? It's it's good. I think we may have a cool day today. It's been in the 80s and the 90s lately, but um, how are you in D.C.? I'm doing good. Everything is well. You know, today um, here at NCIA, we're actually doing a webinar um, based on Chicago. So I thought it was only right we make it a whole Chicago day and have you on here to represent <laughs> in the morning, you know? I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Um, sure, sure. We'll to that event later on today as well. Absolutely. And if for everybody out there listening, if you don't know, here at NCIA, we recently launched our social equity scholarship program. Where all social equity applicants and licensees are eligible for complimentary membership here at NCIA. Um, the website is down at the bottom, so hit the link if you want to um, learn more about that. So, Shawnee, um, I've got you here. So, tell me all about Illinois Equity, um, Illinois um, Equity Staffing. You know, how did you start the company? How did you get into the cannabis industry? Um, so I actually have a background in business and operations, um, specifically in management. So when I um, actually lived in Florida when I was in grad school and um, at the time I was battling with what we didn't we didn't know. We knew it was an autoimmune disease, but we weren't sure what it was. And so I hadn't even at that point, I hadn't even used cannabis like as a consumer or a medical patient. But around that time, my illness got worse. And so I actually became a medical patient around, um, I think I was like 25 years old or something like that. And so that was really like my first introduction into cannabis as a patient. And then I actually moved to, after grad school, I moved to uh, Los Angeles and lived in California. Um, I ended up actually doing some volunteer work at a dispensary in LA, um, where I kind of learned a lot about qualifying patients and that whole process. Um, and, and being a medical patient myself. So that was before we voted recreational in, obviously in California. Um, and then I moved back to Chicago, back home to Chicago, um, in 2016 due to health reasons. I ended up getting diagnosed with lupus, Sjogren's and hypothyroidism. And it was all at the same time. And I was on like a chemical chemotherapy pill and, you know, just away from family. So I decided to move back home. Um, but my background, like I said, was in business operations and management. And so I ended up going into and working for one of the largest staffing companies um, in the U.S. at the time here in downtown in Chicago. And I learned a lot about recruiting and whatnot. Um, and then obviously a few, few years later, last year, we legalized, um, and actually passed bill 1438. So for me, I think a lot of people, all of us were like, well, how can we all get involved in this new industry? And the most obvious thought for most people is, well, I want a dispensary. I want to sell weed because that's the cool thing to do. But at the end of the day, after really like taking a look at my expertise and what I do and my background professionally, as well as the team around me, it only made sense to create an ancillary business. And so um, that's how Illinois Equity Staffing came to be what it is today. We are an Illinois responsible vendor. So we do educational uh, corporate training for um, dispensary operations, but we also do targeted recruiting. Um, we do social equity and diversity 
compliance and reporting, and we do human resources administration. So um, the easiest way to remember like what we do is we try to serve as a full HR department for smaller companies in the cannabis industry. That's dope. And I, I think that is really smart that, you know, you were able to, when you saw cannabis coming and thinking of the opportunity, like you said, everybody naturally thinks, oh, I want to be a dispenser, own a dispenser, or I want to be a grower, but those may not necessarily be your skills. I think um, you do it the right way. And that's what I always tell people, like use your existing skills that you already have. What for was sure. it that made that, what was it that made that light bulb go off for you? How'd you make, how'd you make the connection? Um, After attending like so many networking events with people that I knew I would love to be on my team, it almost, it organically made sense. Like every, because we were going to networking events and everyone was like, oh, I want to own a dispensary. And I'm like, well, if everybody wants to own a dispensary, that's probably not going to be a good idea. Um, but then on the flip side, like I had people like kind of in my corner that know what I do, that know my background and was like, you really would fit well doing this or doing that. And so it was it was a combination of things. But like I said, mostly just kind of being out and networking events and meeting people and realizing we all kind of had the same idea, but we all were coming from very different backgrounds. For me, it was just like, I need to get in where I fit in and stay in my lane. Um, there's no point in reinventing the wheel when I already know what I can do to support the industry. Right, right. And that's, a, you know, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And speaking of Chicago, right, um, you know, everybody's watching and paying attention um, mm -hmm. to what's happening to like the program in Illinois, like you said, that whole process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for you, having been, having been somebody that worked in staffing and HR, you know, as people were trying to build their businesses and even, um, you know, some of the larger companies that needed some assistance finding people, you know, what was that, what was that process like? Um, for the most part, I think some people on the outside looking in kind of had their own misconceptions about Illinois social equity program. But um, from our perspective, almost every single organization group or company or individual that came to us they all understood what the spirit of the bill was. Um, and the spirit of the bill is to make sure we, everyone wins. So, you know, some of us are lacking in capital, but have an understanding of the market here in Illinois um, and may even be from a disproportionately impacted area can speak to some things that people that do have capital that are coming from other states don't have. Um, and I think the way the bill was written was to make sure that we all kind of come together and try and work on this and make it a better and more equitable industry. So our experience for the most part has always, um, at least for the first round of dispensary, craft grow, infuser, and transportation applications, it's been that spirit of um, being collaborative um, in whatever way we can as teams, putting teams together um, that, you know, to fill each other's gaps and bridge the gaps between what they're missing um, and what their advantages and disadvantages are. Um, so for the most part, that was our experience. And, you know, I think that's a really good point. So as you're doing that collaboration, you know, one thing that we hear people talk a lot about is tokenism, you know, and companies wanting to use people of color to try to, you know, try to get those licenses when they're not necessarily social equity companies. You know, how do you help to avoid that as you're going through your process? So I think a lot of people, when they found out about what we do, it was almost like, once again, another misconception, like all, the, all they're doing is handing over social equity folks. At the end of the day, our team is right there along with the candidate every step of the way. 
Um, even to the point where, so when I'm, when we're having conversations with candidates, the first candidates, the first thing we talk about is getting a lawyer. Like before any conversation starts with a business or an applicant that wants you to come on board as a principal officer, where's your lawyer? Where's your legal team? Who do you have in your corner that's going to protect you legally? Um, and so with that being said, anyone that we introduced to, you know, a multi-state operator or out-of-state operator, it was that conversation. So they knew before they even had their intro conversation, they needed to lawyer up and have protection and make sure someone had their best interests at heart. Um, and those were just really coaching conversations. There were nights where I was up at 10, 11 o'clock at night with some principal officers that had to walk away from some deals because unfortunately some multi-state operators felt that they should get exclusivity or certain other um, parts of the agreement that just didn't make sense for the candidate. Um, and so we were we were part of that process um, and we were there along for the ride to really support and bridge the gap, like I said, for those people that are from these disproportionately impacted areas that should have an equal opportunity to these licenses. Right, and like you said, I think that was a good point that you made, you know, collaboration wins. And then the mo one of the most important things is that we do have inclusion and that we're getting these opportunities, um, you know, and, and kind of thinking about inclusion, I know that you recently wrote a blog here um, for our NCIA, um, for our NCIA blog, mm -hmm. and you talked about the misconception that a lot of people have um, that um, that social equity is diversity, right? So there is a difference and people don't necessarily understand. What do you think the difference is? Like, what does that mean? Um, so a lot of people um, from both sides of, you know, the track, for whatever reason, think that social equity is black and white, and it's completely not. Um, social equity really is foundationally socioeconomic status. Um, and so what Illinois defined as social equity really had to do with unemployment and um, poverty level, um, the number of children in the area, in that neighborhood that were on free lunch, like that was that's how we determine social equity disproportionately impacted areas. And then obviously the other point of view, which was having a, an expungible offense under the new bill 1438 here in Illinois, um, it had nothing to do with your race or your gender or your military status or your disability status. That's where diversity comes in. Diversity comes in where you have a team from a bunch of different backgrounds uh, religions, um, ethnicities coming together to uh, build a team that is more well-rounded. Um, having a team that's, you know, social equity just means that you have made your business and your team more equitable across the board. It doesn't have anything to do with race or gender or anything like that. It really has to do with socioeconomic status and how you've been affected by the war on drugs. Right, right. And like you said, it is about socioeconomic status, giving those people that have been most severely impacted an opportunity because it's extremely challenging just to try to, you know, get in the game and get an opportunity. Right. And Absolutely. so, you know, with with that being said, what are what are some of the biggest challenges that you feel like you face as an entrepreneur of color, even though you're not a plant touching business? I'm sure there's probably still some challenges just to, you know, operating. I mean, um, when we were first starting out building the team, a lot of um, challenges we had was, you know, people, I guess, 
trying to figure out um, who gave us our the permission for us to enter into the industry. I think that's one thing that I'm seeing in the industry that needs to stop, really. Um, I'm not sure why people feel they need to give someone the keys to come into the industry if they have a specific expertise that supports the cannabis industry. But that was one issue, um, just really trying to fight that, that, that whole thing. I don't, I don't know if other um, small cannabis businesses were dealing with that, that weren't minority owned, but I definitely felt like it was, you know, because we were a female minority owned, it was kind of like just that pushback. Um, now that we're more established, that's not necessarily the case. But one thing that I will point out with ancillary businesses is you're kind of in that limbo where you're not a cannabis business um, to the cannabis industry. You're an ancillary business. And so you're not necessarily um, privy to all of the opportunities and um, incubators and accelerators or um, funding and financing that plant touching businesses may be able to get their hands on. But then on the flip side, when it comes to the financial institutions, you are a cannabis company, depending on the percentage of your clientele that's cannabis businesses, um, you're considered a cannabis company. So financing on that end and um, really building up your business and your capital from that end, that's not possible. So you're kind of like in this weird limbo um, where you're self, you're, you have to be fully self-funded and self-sufficient as an ancillary business. Um, that's definitely something, it's an area of opportunity I see here in the States until, you know, the plan is actually federally legalized. Right. And I think that that was something important that you said about people thinking that somebody had to give you permission, like that as a black woman, you can't be successful and get it done. You know, I, like I said, I think it, this is black excellence, right? You, you get it done. Um, you work hard to achieve what you what you've accomplished, sure. um, you know, and by putting the work in, building those relationships, you know, that's that's how you get it done. Um, you know, and, you know, for you. Um, you know, you've been on the grind now for a number of years. Um, you know, you've built your company. Um, you know, I'm sure you got a lot of experience right there in Illinois. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for other brothers and sisters that want to try to get in the industry, you know, what's, what do you think is the best piece of advice that you can give them? Number one, I would say to find a mentor or two. Um, I have, before I even entered the cannabis industry, I've always been a firm um, believer and supporter in mentorship. Um, I've had mentors since I was probably a teenager, like 16, 17 years old, all the way through college and grad school and into my professional career. It definitely having a mentor, someone who meets with you and, and kind of uh, has one-on-ones and goes over your challenges and coaches you through difficult situations, um, makes those introductions for you. I think that is very, very important, especially if you are um, a minority trying to enter into the cannabis industry. Um, mentorship is is key for sure. Absolutely. And since we're at NCIA, you know, I've got to ask you, um, what do you think is the importance of, you know, community, you know, as you get into the cannabis industry? It's invaluable. Um, if you are not involved in organizations and conversations and associations and networking and and volunteering your time on committees in whatever way and capacity you can find um you're almost doing yourself and your business a disservice um a lot of times i think 
when you're a small business, you kind of keep your head down and you're focused on the work. Um, but a lot of times when it comes to being strategic, you have to kind of take a step back and make sure that you're making those connections and you're joining those those organizations. I can't tell you how many organizations we're a member of and, and how many meetings we go to, but like it's so core to our business as a whole and making sure we nurture relationships across the board that it our business would be nothing without the community aspect um, of what we do. Yep, I, I agree absolutely. And then just before I let you go, Shawnee, is there is there any um, you know insight that you you know you want to give us on you know what's happening there in Illinois, um, you know like with the program? I know it, you know people are waiting for the licenses and everything. I mean, you know, I understand everyone's frustration because I'm I'm right there with my clients, um, you know, waiting to hear back. I would say not to um, not to count us out just yet. I think there are a lot of doubters that want to see um, Illinois' social equity program fail, but there are a lot of people who want to see it succeed. I think there's more of us that want to see it succeed than those who just wanted to see it fail. Um, and I'm I'm just hoping in Q3 that we hear back um, and people can start uh, hitting the ground running with their build out and um, their operation. You know, so that six, seven, eight months down the road um, from their conditional license awarding that they're hopefully opening doors. Um, so I would just say stay encouraged if you if if you are in a place where you're just kind of doubting, stay encouraged. Absolutely. I think that's good advice. Um, and Shawnee, I definitely appreciate you coming on. Folks out there, if you're listening, um, definitely um, look into the, our social equity scholarship program. Um, this again that you have Shawnee Williams from Illinois Equity Staffing. I'm Tahir Johnson with NCIA. It's been dope meeting with y'all. Take it easy. Thank you. Bye. Bye.